This is Medical Monday brought to you with compliments of Discam, pharmacists who care. Welcome back to Discam Medical Monday. I'm Dr. Daniel Israel. I'm your host, and we're going to be joined now by another guest, keeping on the same focus of oral and dental health. Um, we're joined by Helen Gauchi, who is the manager of research and education at Deanalysis. Now, for, for most of our listeners, and, and even me included as a medical practitioner, um, the concept of de-analysis is something that, you know, certainly one doesn't, the layman doesn't know much about, although this is an emerging field that has really, really, um, reared itself in the, in the focus so, so much recently. And I think it would be, thank you for coming on to the show, Helen, and it would be really great for we could start off by asking you, um, what is de-analysis and what is it used for and how does it fit into our health and well-being? Thank you, Dr. Israel, for having me here today. So de-analysis is a genetics testing company at its core, um, but our focus is on personalized health care and really looking at every individual when we are considering that individual's health, the treatment of disease at that personalized level, where at the company we would be able to take a sample from um, the healthcare practitioner's patient and we would then analyze specific variations on that individual's genes, um, being able to identify where variations might increase predisposition for certain um, chronic diseases of lifestyle, including those around oral health, and then how those variations um, in those genes, well, basically those variations in those genes changed how um, the proteins and um, might function, the enzymes in one's body might function, and how one individual responds differently compared to another individual for the same treatment. Um, and then there's this other aspect where there's an immense amount of research supporting this gene-environment interaction, which I'm sure we're all quite aware of, where we understand that one person has this variation, but it's not it's not set in stone that because of this variation, you're going to lead to um, having this uh, certain disease or this specific outcome. And your environment has a very significant um, contributing role in how you eventually um, turn out and how your health um, eventually stands. And so what we look at doing is, giving practitioners insight into individuals at that genetic level and how then one can further personalize interventions um, in different areas of health. Um, and, and one of the tests that we look at is genetic variations related to oral health. Okay, so before we go into oral health a bit more, um, uh, j- just so our listeners understand. So, so let's go right to the beginning. DNA is... <laughs> a protein inside your cells that codes for different um, dates or di- different functions in your body. That, that, that's that's a, maybe perhaps a very brief and easy w- way of putting it. But what I'm understanding you saying is that through the technology that the analysis utilizes, that you've been able to identify certain medical conditions that are linked to certain variations in the DNA and therefore almost raise a a red flag as to the susceptibility of a certain patient to that condition 
which then might influence how the healthcare practitioner manages the patient, advises them in their lifestyle. Is that correct? That is correct. I think you've said it much better than I have, but that, that is correct. It's, yeah, it's, it's where, you know, if you think of it as the English language, our, our DNA is the, the code, the instructions for giving, given for everything in our body. And if we, so if you think of it as the alphabet, the DNA is the alphabet for our body. And when we have a code that is maybe got a different spelling or written slightly differently, the instruction for how our body is going to function is going to be slightly different. And, and it's not, it's not a bad thing. It's just different. And so as the healthcare practitioner, knowing these differences at that genetic level is just very insightful for management. Could you give us some examples before we get into oral health as to, you know, or even an example of a disease where we're able to identify in a patient before they get the what we call the phenotypic expression of the disease. So before they, if our listeners get, they actually develop the disease, that they have a susceptibility and then we're actually able to not just note it, but make a difference to that condition. It can become quite complex where what we're looking at from our perspective is um, a lot of the chronic diseases of lifestyle where we're not looking at one gene mutation that leads to that disease development. It's many gene variations um, on many genes together with diet and lifestyle and environment that would contribute towards the eventual risk phenotype or the eventual um, disease um, onset. Um, but one such example would be something around um, if we're looking at um, you know, something that affects many of us is being overweight and and what diet would be um, most appropriate to manage weight better, whether it be um, being a low-fat diet or a low-carbohydrate diet, Mediterranean-style diet, sort of a mix of, of carbs and fats. And, and that's always quite a hot topic um, for every individual. And how one individual responds to a low-fat diet versus another individual is very different. So there was a, a study done on a very well-known um, population group and a very big study that looked at a specific variant in a gene that's very strongly involved in how we metabolize fat. It's involved in our the way that we look for, seek out fatty foods. Uh, it's involved in appetite control. And what they found is when they, there were certain individuals who carried that variation. So it's not everyone in the population. It's around 30% of the population who carry the specific variation. That when they had a diet that was high in saturated fat and, and they actually measured it out to be above 22 grams of saturated fat per day. So I'm thinking as from a dietitian's point of view, if you're looking at, you know, a good sirloin steak with the fat on it, if you're doing some full cream dairy throughout the day and, um, and then you, put in something else that's creamy or an extra bit of cheese, um, then you're pretty much reaching that that total amount of saturated fat. And for those individuals, if that was a constant thing day in and day out, their risk of being obese was significantly greater compared to those um, individuals who had the variation who had a lower amount of fat. But what was really interesting about the study is that individuals who did not have the variation, it didn't matter whether they had a high or a low saturated fat intake. They could, that didn't affect their weight at all. So it's understanding how genetic variations may contribute towards um, something like obesity risk, but looking at what is the interacting environmental factor. Um, I've just used overweight because it's, I think it's quite kind of close to many people's hearts of just 
getting to a good um, goal weight, especially in lockdown, I think it's it's affected a lot of people. But something else is a really nice example is, and it's and it's not a disease state as such, but thinking about one's cup of coffee in the morning and how um, one person responds to caffeine versus another person. And there's a specific enzyme in your body that's involved. It's very strongly controls the metabolism of caffeine. And if you are a slow caffeine metabolizer, it's because of a variation that you carry. And when you are a slow caffeine metabolizer and you drink a lot of coffee, which is in the literature considered to be above more than two cups of coffee, that was the kind of the cutoff that they saw. In those individuals, if you are a slow metabolizer, then your risk of a heart uh, cardiovascular event, um, having um, a heart attack was actually much higher because of that caffeine intake. Whereas if you are a fast metabolizer, they actually see benefits in caffeine intake. So it's just understanding these slight variations in one's genes and how that's how we can see risk for certain diseases and what can we do about it. Very interesting. You're listening to Disca Medical Monday. We're speaking to Helen Gauchi, who heads up the research and education at D-Analysis. And Helen, you're actually answering for us some of the most pertinent questions that I think our listeners ask all the time. I mean, you've touched on a very important topic here. I I know with your background um, in dietetics, um, you've you've touched on why do certain diets work for some people, whereas the same diet for someone else will be totally ineffective. And we know there's always a war of the diets. And again, Mm -hmm. looking at coffee, a, a very interesting um, scenario. So, so, so you're basically saying that we have the technology to be able to ascertain which diet may be more effective for which individual. Can one do this as, as predictively as that? In other words, it's not just a retrospective check, but we're able to send someone off to your center. I assume it's blood samples or if it's swabs, just let, let me know, but for DNA analy- analysis. And then, you know, give this health practitioner advice on to whether they should be going on to low carbohydrate, Mediterranean, keto, whatever the diet is. Am I understanding that correctly? That's correct. So uh, the studies that we look at to get this information are both retrospective, but also there are intervention studies that are used as well. So it's really nice evidence. It's not, and and from my point of view, it's not the be all and end all, but it's a big part of the overall puzzle for um, improved outcomes. Um, it is a it's a it's a blood sample. It's just a little finger prick, so it's nothing too invasive. Just a little bit of a drop from your finger, and that gets sent off to the laboratory. We're going to take a short break, and after the break, I'd like to start off with discussing with Helen what what actually happens to that blood once it leaves you. Is it done in South Africa? What do we do with it? Is this an expensive process? Soon after the break. This is Medical Monday, brought to you with compliments of Discam, pharmacists who care. Welcome back to Discam Medical Monday. This is Dr. Daniel Israel. I'm your host, and I'm interviewing Helen Gauchi from the um, D-Analysis, which is a really interesting um, company that now seeks to, to, to look much deeper into your body through a simple sample that can be taken from you. Um, Helen, welcome back. You were telling us a little bit about the process that a patient goes through to have their DNA analyzed. You know, what do they actually have to do? Is it a blood sw- sample or a swab? Is it sent away somewhere? How, and how expensive and lengthy is this process? So they're all very good questions, and that's often the thing that um, I think the, the patients and the practitioners need to know. It, it sounds quite abstract often, looking at genetic variations. So 
In fact, um, our laboratory is proudly South African. It was started now over 10 years ago, The one of the first genetics testing companies as a commercial company in South Africa. Uh, so our laboratory is, is um, proudly South African. All our technology is here. So once you, um, and how we work is we are very, again, very proud and, and invested in healthcare practitioners as our partners to to use healthcare practitioners to interpret the information to their clients. Um, because as I said, the, the genetics is only one part of the story and um, it's so important to get the full health history and an individual's um, uh, diet preferences, culture and um, motivation level for actually putting into place a proper intervention plan and a management plan. So the client um, or the consumer can go to a healthcare practitioner who has been trained up in um, nutrigenetics, is, is this um, science, is the, the combination of genetics and lifestyle, and we offer those training courses for healthcare practitioners. So the, um, the consumer goes to an accredited DNA the analysis healthcare practitioner, where in their rooms, they would be able to then do the sample with a healthcare practitioner, or that sample that the test kit could be sent to the comfort of the own their own home, the consumer's own home, but via the healthcare practitioner. Um, and the test kit is really just a little um, finger prick. Um, it's a blood sample that is um, then sent to our laboratory, and that is all managed very easily via a courier service. And once that sample then gets to our laboratory, um, we have the technology there to be able to extract the DNA from that sample. And then we use um, a, a specific technology we're not looking at um, something called sequencing. So we're not looking at the full genome sequencing, but we're looking at specific points on that individual's DNA that has a lot of research behind it, showing that those specific points um, have been related to um, specific health outcomes. And so from that point, once um, our technology has extracted, our, our lab has extracted the DNA, our, it's been run on our very exciting, quite new machine that can um, actually test almost a million genetic variations, it then um, the specific insights that that practitioner has requested for that client gets um, put into a report. So those genetic variations that individuals genotype for those specific points are put into a specific, into a health report, and then information around the biological area in which those genes function, information around the gene, the genotype specific information, as well as action steps and I think that's the most important part is the action steps around what to do about that variation is given in the report that then um, is discussed by the healthcare practitioner with the patient certainly is so advanced um, which which I think for most of not just our, our lay listeners but even medical practitioners is something that we certainly aren't um, schooled in and it's absolutely fascinating to hear about how much can be determined or told just from a, a drop of blood. I mean, we know about genes in general, but we don't, we certainly have no idea about the accessibility of, of, of such information. Um, just for our listeners to, to, to make mention of, I see on your website that you talk about um, DNA active, DNA resilience, DNA health, DNA skin, and DNA estrogen. Um, certainly for today, we're going to get on to, for the last, the, the minutes that we have left on our interview, we're going to get on to oral health because that's been our 
our focus today. But just before that, do you want to focus, just tell us a little bit about, I don't know, perhaps DNA skin or DNA estrogen. What, what can you tell about someone's skin or their their, their hormonal levels just from their DNA? Sure. So, I mean, it's it's a vast field, and it was started with the Human Genome Project in 1990 and ended in 2003. So it's been going for a while, but it is. It's quite different. But just considering, say, DNA estrogen, it's, again, looking at genes and how they encode for enzymes or proteins or receptors in a specific biological area. So taking DNA estrogen, for example, those genes encoding enzymes involved in the breakdown of our estrogen. And when we have very Variations in those enzymes is um, are those enzymes breaking estrogen down into good kind of metabolite or breakdown products that are easy for our body to neutralize and excrete, or do they get broken down via different pathways that sometimes are just a little bit haphazard and they cause a lot more damage, or they they have an increased risk for causing a lot more damage on our um, cell membranes. And because of that, there is this increased predisposition to um, breast and ovarian cancer, as well as just your um, estrogen-related disorders, such as um, really bad PMS symptoms. And so by understanding if you have a genetic variation in those genes, um, you can then start to target specific points in the pathway, um, keeping in mind that um, you have estrogens coming in from outside sources a lot, um, your diet plays a very important role, your weight management plays a very important role. The same thing with skin. It's where you are able to identify if an individual is um, has an increased predisposition to acne and what is the pathway that is driving that acne um, and how can you then put in topical as well as nutraceutical dietary interventions, lifestyle interventions to start managing those outcomes better. Helen, you were talking to us about the different, you know, type of or body systems that we're able to identify issues with um, from a DNA analysis perspective. I'd like to focus a little bit on oral health. Today we focused on oral health as a whole, and we know that your teeth are the window to your body. And we say that you are what you eat, but maybe according to DNA analysis, you should eat what you are. So, can you tell <laughs> us a little bit more about what? What you can tell from an, for, about oral health and how DNA analysis fits into one looking after one's oral health. Yeah, so it's a really exciting topic that, um, and a test that we actually recently launched around, um, around oral health and gaining great insights into how important it is what happens in your mouth that affects your, the rest of your body and actually vice versa. So this test called um, or oral health, we're looking at um, a test called DNA Smile. Um, and, and really, if you're thinking about your smile, it actually gives away so much about um, your health where um, the, the integrity of your teeth um, give it away around, as, as the, I was listening to the, the previous interview around um, smoking habits, around dietary habits, there's so much that actually is given away by that smile. Um, and, and then the health of your teeth, how you can um, eat food if you are able to eat food, and that being so important for what you're able to consume to affect your many body systems. So, 
The DNA smile test um, is a genetic test. It's looking at genetic variations that helps one give insight into the state of dental as well as oral health, and then the risk for developing um, what we call periodontal disease as well as tooth caries. Um, when we're talking about periodontal disease, it's the um, it's your gum disease as well as the um, the disease that um, that can actually start. Um, uh, attacking or, or affecting the um, the structures of your mouth, so it's the the bone and the cartilage, and not just the gum disease. Um, and so, why it's so important is that I'm sure has been said is that almost 50% of the adult population over 30 years or older um, have some sort of periodontal disease, and so that's where genetic variations together with many other risk factors, play a very important role in this contribution. And as was said also, prevention is better than cure. Just to, to, to take out from this, when you have your your, DNA, your, your blood analyzed for your, for your DNA vis-a-vis your oral health, what are the cues for action that might be different in one patient versus another? In other words, we all know we have to brush our teeth, floss, as we've just heard, and um, once a day, eat certain foods. But, you know, are they, are, are we able to look at the DNA and say in this particular individual, we, we recommend a higher level of, of care or different care? Absolutely. So, um, as we, we know that, um, you know, a, a lot of the time with, um, poor oral health, it's because of the type of bacteria that we are exposed to, um, it, or that is living in our mouth. But why do some individuals versus others actually, they both have this, this specific bad bacteria, but some develop, um, gum disease or periodontal disease and others don't. Um, and you could then go into each of the areas in DNA smile looking at um, how we respond to that bacteria. So the inflammation, the immunity um, sections, as well as um, looking at sweet tooth predisposition. So something as an example would be to gain insight into um, the inflammation that might be occurring at that genetic level. So higher levels of certain inflammatory genes being made. And that then leads you to have almost this heightened response to any kind of pathogen that you are exposed to. And so from the dental health practitioner's standpoint, it is recommended that they can, that individuals come in on a standard level every six months. I know that's something that a lot of the time doesn't happen. But even then, for other people, it may be even more frequent than six months. So that's one thing that for the, the oral health practitioner is so important to stress, higher frequency for um, higher or at-risk individuals. Other things that come up that become very important is looking at requirements for certain nutrients that actually play an important role in inflammation. And there's very interesting research around oral health and things like vitamin D, the omega-3 fatty acids that we take in, and then looking at weight management as a major contributing factor as well. So by understanding if you are at increased risk, um, things like um, vitamin D levels or vitamin D supplementation, increased visits to the oral health care and um, the oral health practitioner, um, and then um, from the oral health care 
care practitioner's point of view, they would be, um, they would just get insights as to when they do those deep cleaning um, sessions, how is this individual going to respond to that session and do they need to then first put into place um, the, the care practices around decreasing inflammation, managing inflammation before they um, go into some of the um, more sort of invasive strategies for our oral health care really. Well, we can really learn from this that, that looking after one's mouth and one's teeth is not just about looking after the end point, which is all the care we've learned about, but actually looking, you know, looking at the individual just for our listeners that the root of who you are and whether you're more susceptible to gum disease and disease in general than someone else and therefore tailor make your solution to that. And I assume that you one does this through a, through your dental practitioner who's trained in de-analysis, is that correct? Yes, so that would be probably the first starting point. We do also have other healthcare practitioners. Most healthcare practitioners should be asking the question, what is the state of your oral health? And if they are not visiting their oral health ca- care practitioner at least every six months, then it should be something that could be done via another healthcare practitioner, but the eventual um, guidelines will be then passed on to the dental practitioner to use that information for improved care for the patient. We have certainly learned so much from you today. I've been speaking to Helen Gauchi and the manager of the research at um, D-Analysis, and we've just touched on all the things that you can learn from your from your blood about your mouth, about all different states of your body. I definitely think, as I said, we will need to bring you back and really learn so much more from you. Thank you for being with us today. Thank you so much, Dr. Israel. And perhaps the less something that our experts today and myself can leave us for the new year tonight is to say, if you're going to eat sugar, make sure you wash your mouth out well afterwards. But remember that (laughs) what you eat makes a huge difference to who you are and who you are makes a big difference to what you should eat. So a New Year's resolution for all of us is that we could go forward trying to find out more about our genetic makeup and really focusing on keeping our mouths healthy and well so that our bodies can be healthy and well. Thank you for being with us, Helen, and wishing you all a Shana Tova and a good New Year.